This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about corn dogs. And it's a fun one. Um. <laughs> it is. This one gets wacky. And, uh, you know, I feel like we've, we've got a lot of uh, uh, competing origin stories in a lot of these. But, whew. I love how many people are scrambling so fiercely to claim... <laughs> The corn dog, <laughs> as yeah. you should. There's no judgment oh, yeah. on my part. Yeah, I mean, but but like but like not since the Sunday have we had such fierce competition. Mm, yes, yes, you are correct. We have a lot of contenders in this one, which is a phrase <laughs> I'm going to use a lot. Yeah, and also every time I use it, I think of Thor Ragnarok. So just put that okay. in your mind okay. when Tessa Thompson says. He's a contender. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going for <laughs> every time. Yes, exactly. Love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not really into corn dogs. I can't even remember the last time I had one. Uh, my mom did buy the frozen kind one time, and that's like my <laughs> most recent memory. And that one was time, like in middle school. Wow. Um, huh. Yeah, but I do have a friend who is going through a huge corn dog kick. Um, she says it's mostly because she wants to have a vessel to transport mustard and ketchup to her mouth, which I know some of you will judge. But <laughs> no, I'm I'm into that. Yeah, <laughs> I think the ketchup part, which we're going to go into. Um, oh, right. Yes, but it seems like a very, very joyous thing for her, so it makes me really happy. Every time I hear her like, say, like, oh, for lunch I had this turkey corn dog, I'm like, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't to – be, to be honest, y'all, I don't really understand corn dogs. I'm like, you've got a perfectly good hot dog and a perfectly good, like, Johnny Cake pancake mix, and then you ruin them by putting them together. Why would you do that? <laughs> they're they're fine. They're doing fine. They didn't need your intervention. 
Um, oh dear. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be unpopular this episode. I, I can already, <laughs> I can, I, like, like a million keyboards were, were being tacked out with hate mail. Um, <laughs> and then more suddenly silenced. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've done this a lot recently where the it's kind of an Americana yeah. food with like tater tots also, which we didn't we just were not super fans of. Um and now again with yeah. corn dogs. But pe- people are people who love them love them. Oh yeah. Them. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. we we also asked uh super producer JJ who is helping us out this week and he says that he is like kind of corn dog agnostic. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I mean, but, but that's only a quorum of three. If you like them, I'm happy for you. Like, like Annie's friend, go for it. Um, a bunch of Atlanta restaurants have them on the menu, like kind of as like a upscale, uh, bar food, uh, nostalgia throwback sort of thing. Yeah. Um, we were just talking before we started recording about Palookaville, which was, uh, an Atlanta restaurant kind of famous for him for a minute. Uh, you know, I, it makes me happy to see them on menus, but I will never unto myself order them. Yeah, I'm not sure I will either. Although, um, researching this episode, I will say, I think, and I, I'm going to make, now I'm going to make enemies. I think, <laughs> I th- as I've said, even in the Tater Tots episode, I think I have a thing about like old oil mm. where I can, it's not a thing mm. that I like. But I also, when I think of corn dogs, I think of a sweetness. But apparently that's not the case a lot of times. But in some specific cases, it is. So I'm wondering if I had one that didn't have that sweetness, I would be more into it. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. We have a lot of tasting things that we've built up. We've got the root beer waiting. Yeah. I still have the durian ice cream in my refrigerator. (laughs) From years ago? Oh, goodness. I'm sure it's still good, Lauren. Don't I'm worry about that. Positive, it is. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh heck! Um, didn't we? Didn't we have a corn dog at the at the Renfest though? When we went oh. and had a bunch of fried foods at the Renfest. Okay, so for listeners who don't remember, this is uh, back when we had a video series as food stuff. Mm-hmm. One time we got to go to the Renfest, and we recorded a video on mead that was great. Um, and then we did one on, they just brought us all these foods on sticks. So yeah. many. <laughs> it, was, it was glorious and horrifying. It was just like all of the ridiculous, over-the-top uh, fair food that you can get at a Renfest. And, and this was at Georgia Renaissance Festival specifically. Um, and we were just like, what have we gotten ourselves into? Um, <laughs> this was also at like 10.30 a.m. Um, yes. Justin over at Monk's Mead, um, which uh, just opened a, a new um, bar location in the Highlands for anyone else in Atlanta, um, uh, had had kindly brought us samplers. And by samplers, I mean full bottles of, oh, like, he popped open this, like, cooler. Different. It was, oh, like, gosh. in movies where they open the, like, like Jurassic Park with all the, the fog comes out and there's just bottles. <laughs> Or like Mary need. Poppins' bag, like he like he just kept pulling bottles out, and I was yes. like, "It's nine thirty in the morning, and I have not had breakfast. What is <laughs> <Yes>. happening?" <laughs> it was delightful. Um, I don't know if it that was. video is still online anywhere, but if it is, uh, I don't know. Um, Google I like like it is. like food stuff mead. Yeah, or honey, because it was part of our honey. Oh, video as well. right. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Gosh, mm-hmm. I forgot why we were even there. <laughs> the the meat and the food on sticks, you know, gets in your head. Especially, I think we were done by like noon. <laughs> oh, easily, easily, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a day. <laughs> it was. It was quite a day. Um, speaking of days, uh, every year the first Saturday of uh, of the NBA's March Madness is National Corn Dog Day. Um. <laughs> I think that's uh, generally the third Saturday of March. Um, National Corn Dog Day also does celebrate tater tots and beer. Oh wow! Yeah, 
Okay, so there's a kind of connection between tater tots and corn dogs. Oh, I would say spiritually, certainly, um, mm-hmm. uh, but but literally also, yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, we've previously done an episode on hot dogs. Um, that was July fourth of twenty eighteen. Food stuff gets frank about hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe see that. Maybe see our cornbread episode from January of this year if you want to. Options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Options galore. As there are with corn dogs, which I guess brings oh, us yeah. to our question. Oh, yeah. Corn dogs. What are they? Well, a corn dog is a hot dog that has been speared through lengthwise on a stick, uh, then dipped into a thick cornmeal-based batter and uh, deep-fried or air-fried, perhaps, until the batter is crisp on the outside and fluffy on the inside, and the hot dog is uh, hot all the way through. It's meant to be picked up by the stick and eaten out of hand, um, and is sometimes served with sauces or other toppings drizzled over it for for dipping. Um, so yeah, it's like a like a handheld hot dog Johnny cake. Um, it's a it's a whole sausage fritter on a stick. It's it's salty and sweet and crisp and cakey and like springy, chewy and highly nostalgic for a lot of Americans, I think. But for something that. Uh, I might describe as a tiny bit basic. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm making enemies. I'm sorry. Uh, there, there is there is a lot going on here. So let's break let's break all this down. As uh, as I said in our hot dog episode, um, a hot dog is a type of sausage made of a fine ground meat, usually beef or beef and pork, seasoned with stuff like coriander, mustard seed, pepper, nutmeg, clove, paprika, garlic, sugar, and salt. It's usually cured, sometimes smoked, um, and then pre-cooked during manufacturing. Um, Hot dogs used for corn dogs are usually skinless. That is, they're they're manufactured without a um, without a containing membrane, and so they're they're savory and salty and spiced and a little bit sweet, really tender. The type of cornmeal batter used for corn dogs is. I, I've always had it a very specific way, which Annie, like you said, is kind of sweet, um, but. Uh, but I've seen a bunch of different recipes for it. So it's usually about equal parts of yellow cornmeal and all-purpose wheat flour, um, seasoned with um, sugars, maybe some stuff like powdered onion or chili pepper, leavened with baking powder, and uh, made into like a like a sticky, heavy, self-rising batter with buttermilk. So it's uh, it's basically just like a corn pancake batter. Uh, the sticks. Whole different episode. Uh, I I had to stop myself from going down a food grade wooden stick rabbit hole, um, <laughs> as as you do, I suppose. Of course, yeah. Um, but uh, so so soft woods like uh, like birch and uh, basswood are, are pressed out into sheets and then die cut into the food grade sticks that are used for stuff like corn dogs and ice pops um, uh, because they're economical and disposable and more eco friendly and temperature safe than than plastic. There is a site on on this our internet called corndogblog.com um, that contains a diagram of corndog anatomy, and it refers to the stick as the human corndog interface. I love that. That sounds like aliens coming to Earth <laughs> and trying to figure out how to please subdue mm-hmm. the human race. We need a human corn dog interface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the that's the basic right anatomy of a corn dog. Um, but there are all kinds of variations. Uh, you can use like a miniature cocktail sausage in order to make a corn pup. Um, mm. You can add stuff to the batter, like like cooked corn or diced hot peppers or like french fry chunks or i don't know like like anything that you want you can put bacon in there or wrap it around I, there's infinite variations that people yeah. have and will continue to do um hot dog multiverse oh good mm-hmm. right ooh yeah <laughs> it is yes it is um and these were Originally, like an outdoor festival food, but you can make them from various levels of scratch at home. Um, if you if you really wanted to make your own 
hot dog style sausages, you certainly could. Um, and deep frying is a thing that I understand some humans are not terrified of. Um, oh. <laughs> not us. Not us. <laughs> Oof. Oof. But some humans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but you can also pretty easily, like, you know, like, make the batter and coat some store-bought hot dogs and pan-fry them the way that you would fry chicken. Um, Alton Brown has a pretty good recipe for that. Um, they're also, as Annie mentioned, sold, uh, like, pre-cooked and frozen for reheating at home. hmm Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one, more, one more quote from corndogblog.com. <laughs> yes, please. Please. Okay. <laughs> Corn dogs are like geodes, but younger. Geologically speaking, they're like the whole earth, but younger. If only the earth's core were sausage and not iron nickel. We're fortunate because we can take a journey to the center of the corn dog and not die. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love that so much. It's oh. it's a really high quality website, you guys. <laughs> This makes me want to, I want to sit down and write some beautiful, deep literature about food. You should. I think I might. Okay. I I might. But. Well, let us know. Oh. Oh, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, what about the nutrition? Uh, a corn dog is a calorically dense food, um, especially if you buy them or make them fresh dipped and deep fried. Uh, the batter soaks up a bunch of oil. Hot dogs are a fatty type of sausage to begin with. Um, there's a lot of carbs involved. They do contain a good bit of protein and a smattering of minerals. Um, so they'll help fill you up and sort of keep you going. But like seriously, please eat a vegetable sometime. <laughs> just just any time. What, the corn and corn dog does not count as a vegetable? That does not count as a vegetable anymore. Uh, no, no. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we do have some numbers for you. We do. Not too many, but a few. A, a couple. Um, yeah, all right. So in, in 2014, corn dogs polled as Americans' favorite regional type of hot dog. Um, with 46% of respondents picking this style of hot dog over New York style at 38% and Chicago style at 26%. And this is, Annie is making a very confused face and I agree with it. I don't, I've never considered a corn dog to be a style of hot dog. I'm like, it's a different yeah. food at that juncture. Yeah, I got a lot of confusion. <laughs> but but, but okay. apparently, uh, as of 2014, the 18 to 34 year old set um, was like 55% like, no, corn dogs are my favorite style of hot dog. That's what it is. So, dang. Yeah. If any of you listeners are among that set, I, I would like to hear from you because I feel like the corn dog is really relegated, as we're about to talk about, <laughs> to festivals. Yeah. Unless you get them frozen or maybe at a, a bar that has uh, a corn dog on the menu. So I'm just curious about that. Yeah, to, to me, they're a lot less, like, ubiquitous than other yeah. styles of hot dog. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a regional thing. That's true. And speaking of, as of 2016, the Pronto Pup Minnesota Fair franchise, which is the largest Pronto Pup franchise in the country and the world. Like, there were some caveats where people were like, and probably in the world. I'm going to go ahead and say, in the I- world. <laughs> If it's the biggest in the U.S., I strongly suspect. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, where else? Maybe Canada, but there were some numbers from maybe, Canada. They weren't close. Maybe South Korea? Yes. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Um, okay. But yes, uh, this franchise in the Minnesota State Fair was heading towards selling the 25th million pup. Wow. Oof. Yes. Oof. And this is a fair that takes place over a 12-day period. And during those days, the company goes through 24 tons of sausage and 115 tons of batter. Wow. And another state fair, an annual 630,000 corny dogs are sold over 24 days at Texas's state fair, which we're going to be talking about more in a minute. 
Uh-huh. Um, there are even corn dog eating contests at some state fairs. Um, at the California State Fair, brand uh, Milo Frank holds or uh, or perhaps held, I couldn't find more recent numbers for it, um, an annual corn dog contest. And I think that the standing record may be from 2015 when, uh, when Molly Schuyler ate 33 corn dogs in eight minutes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> 33! Okay, okay, okay. Annie just, like, clutched her pearls, y'all. <laughs> like, she... <laughs> Wow. I'm like, in, I'm torn between impressed and like horrified. Yeah. There's no judgment involved. No. I just personally, I eat a lot of cheese for lunch and like that's, yeah. I push the limit on that. <laughs> so, I don't. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I will, I will say impressive it was because she almost doubled the previous record Whoa. of 18 corn dogs in eight minutes. Um, they do hold this competition over two days. There's a qualifying rounds the first day and then the finals, which <laughs> is oh my so, goodness. De- <laughs> so delightfully serious. <laughs> At the Iowa State Fair in 2008, a world record was set for the most people simultaneously eating corn dogs. Um, that was 8,400 people. And this sounds like it was wild. Uh, they called it the corn dog chomp. They offered free admission and a free corn dog to anybody who wanted to come out and participate and who could show up between 5 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. They were prepared what? They were prepared to make 8,000 corn dogs. They had to, like, scramble, and they scrambled and made another 400. But y'all, 42,000 people showed up. Oh, my gosh. I, I can't imagine, like... You know, you set your alarm for four in the morning. <laughs> you pop your knuckles, stretch, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, do yeah, all have, your morning routine. Have your coffee, you know, mm-hmm. feed your pets, you know. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Get, your, get and, your sunscreen on, head out of the house. Yes. Go eat some corn dogs <laughs> at five in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It was so, so it was. It was like I, I think that I, I don't remember what o'clock at which they like they were like okay and chomp. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. So like they they opened the gates at five, and when they did, there was already a line of cars like oh down goodness. the interstate of people like <laughs> waiting to get in. Forty two thousand people. I I couldn't. Okay, I could not independently corroborate that number, but um, but I believe it. People love corn dogs, and they love. <sighs> Any kind of competition. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I think it was for Guinness, and people people really get into mm. those. So. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> as, of, as of 2019, uh, the Iowa State Fair offered 11 different styles of corn dog, and, uh, and it was at that point the fair's best-selling food. Um, also that year, a local brewer called Court Avenue Brewing Company offered a corn dog ale that I could find no further information about. <laughs> Could be a reason reason for that. <laughs> Again, Other than no judgment. No but. judgment. <laughs> People were like, it tasted kind of smoky. I'm like, I don't know. I I couldn't anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, yes, Korean corn dogs, also called hot dogs. Very confusing. Mm-hmm. But got it. Uh so many coatings. It was a whole new world for me. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and they and they put other fillings in them too. Like apparently, uh, mozzarella and cheddar are the most popular, like bonus fillings. Um, a crust of sugar on the outside is a popular, like like topping. Um, garnishes can include anything from ramen crumbles to like a squid ink sauce to crushed peanuts. You can also get them with stuff like right, like a like like bacon or shrimp wrapped around either the sausage or on the outside of the dough. Yeah. <sighs> I really recommend going and looking at menus if you haven't before. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so many options. It's glorious. It really is, honestly. As is the history of the corn dog. Oh, it is. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. 
And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so... <laughs> The question of who invented the corn dog is often answered with a mysteries history vibe. Uh huh. As we said at the top, so many contenders. <laughs> Again, Tessa Thompson is the inspiration for this this episode. So please keep that in mind. Um, there are a few popular contenders in the mix, though, and one is the story of the Pronto Pup. And yes, I know. People like to argue that Pronto pups don't count as a corn dog, but the consensus seems to be that it is indeed a type of corn dog. It's kind of a square rhombus situation, <laughs> from what I understand. Like, not every corn dog is a Pronto pup, but a Pronto pup is a corn dog. Just reporting the facts. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right, so the story goes that over Labor Day weekend in 1939 in Rockaway, Oregon, concession vendor George Boyington was trying to find a solution after rain had literally rained on his parade. It had ruined (laughs) his hot dog buns. Boyington was looking for a bit of a new start. He'd spent previous years as a bootlegger smuggling liquor into Michigan, so he was really, really trying to come up with a way to cook up hot dog buns on demand that was portable for vendors and customers. This led to him creating a deep-fried solution of dipping hot dogs in batter, frying them, and serving them on a stick. Because this whole process took place over a short amount of time, he called the whole thing Pronto Pup, a name he and his wife Versa trademarked in 1942. The couple started selling Pronto Pup franchises pretty quickly after that, and franchisees would receive some proprietary flour mix for the batter, Strict rule to only serve them plain or with mustard. No Ah. ketchup. (laughs) Ah. And that was pretty much all they got. Um, At carnivals, the Pronto Pup was sometimes called a banquet on a stick. And one of the first slogans for this product was, (laughs) done in a bun with done spelled (laughs) D-U-N. Yes. And the whole venture was very successful very quickly. The Boynton son, Baxter, grew up helping the family business and remembers the family going from barely scraping by to being able to afford a nice house in Portland. In 1945, Boston's Christian Science Monitor published this quote, If you have never heard of Pronto Pups, prepare yourself. (laughs) They show signs of becoming as ubiquitous as Tom Thumb Golf, at least in the West. A man named G.M. Boynton of Salem, Oregon, invented and patented a special type of dough mix that looks like waffle batter. He impales a hot dog on a stick, dips the dog in the batter, thrusts it for a couple of moments into boiling deep fat, and presto, you have a pronto pup. And it remains hot for 45 minutes or more, hence... 
will probably be seen on many picnics. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the scare quotes around hot dog are... That's one of my very favorites. They're pretty good. <laughs> Love yes. The Pronto Pup did make it out east, of course. Um, Jack Carnes of the Merchant Marines opened the first franchise east of the Rockies, according to his son... He used a Ferris wheel-like device so each dog could be cooked for two minutes and 15 seconds exactly. In 1946, a Minnesota businessman named William Breed flew to Chicago to meet up with Carnes. And they had this meeting, but Breed ended up missing it. Um, when he'd seen the line outside of Carnes's Pronto Pup restaurant, he got in it. Eager to see what the fuss was about <laughs> and wondering if he could capitalize on it. So he's like, forget this meeting. What's this line about? Wow. Um, and when the moment finally came, Breed loved the Pronto Pup and wasted no time in asking Carnes if he'd go in with him if they were able to secure spots at the Minnesota State Fair. But Carnes wasn't into the idea. He'd gotten several offers that were similar to that, that didn't seem well thought out. He was like, you know, you're just into this right now, but do you have a business plan? (laughs) (laughs) But Breed was undeterred. He went back to Minnesota and secured six concession spots for the Pronto Pup at the fair. With this done, he flew back to Chicago, got back in line at Carnes' restaurant, and tried again, offered it to him again. Carnes's wife in particular was hesitant. She allegedly asked, where even is Minnesota? <laughs> and did not relent until Breed offered to match Carnes's restaurant earnings for one year. Hmm. Yes. Uh, the Pronto Pup debuted at the Minnesota Fair in 1947. And this was a big year for the fair because it had been canceled in 1945 because of World War II and in 1946 because of polio. The Carnesses sold 106,000 Pronto Pups that year, and they've been a staple at the fair ever since, and the business has stayed in the Carnes family. Now, despite the fact that Pronto Pups are officially advertised by the company at Minnesota State Fair as America's original corn dogs, the president of Pronto Pups hates to even say the word corn dog, and the owner of the Pronto Pup franchise at the fair calls it the CD word. Wow. Which I read was a point of pride. Like, they're just okay. like, we're our own thing. Don't. And like, no, like, we are, we are a brand unto ourselves. Do not confuse us with those other things that call themselves corn dogs or CD <laughs> words, I suppose. We're not like those other corn dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, of note, the no ketchup rule wasn't relaxed for several decades. Wow. Now you can get ketchup, but it was not the case for for many, many years. Um, But okay, let's look at another contender. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Around the same time that Pronto Pup was taking off, the Fletcher brothers out of Texas were also entering the corndog game. In 1942, the brothers, who were actors, were working on coming up with a batter that wasn't too thick or slippery to coat sausage or hot dogs in. And after several experiments, they finally arrived at the recipe, a recipe that hasn't really changed since they, they arrived at it and is now kept in a locked safe. Um, They introduced their product at the Texas State Fairgrounds that same year, calling it a corny dog. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know, like, to me, I've never heard that term, but to people from Texas, that's like... That's an everyday, sure. Yeah, it's called a corny dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, it sounds funny, but... Yes, but we're not making fun. No. It's just new to our... New to our ears. ears. Yes. Yes. Um, While theirs is arguably the most well-known in the state, I would say, yes, it is the most well-known in the state, a few years earlier in 1940, a corn dog with mysterious origins was hugely popular. Uh Mm -hmm. Here's a quote from the Monroe News Star that year. It is destined to be one of the fastest-selling sandwiches ever introduced, said Mr. Sam C. Brown. Proof of its fine ingredients and flavorful combination is found in the fact that in New Orleans, more than 70,000 corn dog sandwiches were sold in a period of three weeks. Huh. Uh Uh-huh. 
1939, Alice Hughes wrote in a piece called A Woman's New York, and she was describing a visit to a friend in Dallas, and she wrote... One of their hometown delicacies, the corn dog, which is a Frankfurter baked in cornbread. So now I shall have another excuse to pay them a visit in Texas. Huh. So, corn dogs have been around in Texas before the Fletcher brothers came along. But they definitely are the big name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Helped popularize for sure. Yes, and corny dogs have stayed in the Fletcher family, but not without difficulties. When the original Fletcher brothers died in the 1980s, the business was taken over by their two sons, who ran the business the same way that their fathers had. In 2008, then 21-year-old Amber Fletcher, who at that time was sometimes called the corny dog heiress, was kidnapped. Uh, oh, my goodness. And, yeah. She called her mother and informed her that her captors were demanding $100,000 in ransom or that they'd kill her. Ooh. All sorts of law enforcement got involved, including the Texas Rangers and the FBI, like just a bunch. Um, they were eventually able to recover Amber Fletcher unharmed. Essentially, they like arranged a drop and then were watching the drop and caught the guy. Oof. And Yeah, I know. Then, in 2019, Jace Fletcher Christensen uh, started a legal battle when she declared she was planning to open a pop-up called Fletch. And this led to Fletcher's original State Fair Corny Dogs to file a lawsuit to the United States District Court over trademark protection, kicking off a legal battle and a family feud. Because, yes, Jace Fletcher Christensen is a member of this family. Um, Christensen opened her restaurant anyway, Covering any instance of Fletch on the menu with tape and calling it the restaurant with no name. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. <laughs> the judge ultimately ruled in Fletcher's original state fair corny dog's favor. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> it is. Um, okay, uh, but all right, there's yet another story. Uh, let us explore the tale of the cozy dog. Please. Uh, so, in 1941, one uh, Ed Waldmeyer was talking to a friend of his in college, uh, Don Strand, and he was talking about this unusual sandwich that he had encountered out in Oklahoma, um, which was composed of a hot dog baked in cornbread. And so uh, the story goes that Waldmeyer had liked this product but thought it took too long to cook. And then they both graduated. They both moved on. Five years later, to his complete surprise, Waldmeyer was contacted by Strand, and Strand was like, hey, remember that unusual sandwich? Well, I developed this cornbread mix so that you can just dip a hot dog in it and then French fry it. Do you want me to send you some of this mix? And Waldmeyer was like, yes. (laughs) Uh, Waldmeyer was in the Air Force at the time, and so using the USO kitchen, he developed what he called a crusty cur, which was a corn dog. Um, after uh, being honorably discharged that year um, and accepting the fact that his wife hated the name Krusty Kerr, um, <laughs> Waldemeyer and his family launched the brand Cozy Dogs in Illinois in 1946. And it is still a family business. Um, they've had several locations over the years. Uh, there's still a drive-in location in Springfield, Illinois. <laughs> oh, I love that unusual sandwich encountered. <laughs> uh, and I did see that when I was researching. Uh, there was a, you probably ran across this too, but there was an article about lamenting Chicago and specifically, where have all the corn dogs gone? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. Okay. But let's step back uh, to another contender the crusty corn dog. Spelled with a K. Yes. I was like, is this Simpsons related? No. It can't be. Unless time travel is real. <gasps> <Ooh>. <laughs> In 1929, an advertisement in a wholesale catalog for the crusty corn sausage dog pan read, <laughs> a big moneymaker for use on gas, gasoline, oil, or coal stoves. Crusty corn dogs are novel and delicious. The hot dog is baked inside the corn batter, which... As it bakes, molds itself to resemble an ear of corn. Um, so a bit different than what we think of today, but pretty close. A yeah, few years yeah. previously, 
1924, Francis Matson was working on a way to wrap meat and bread, and he filed a patent for a, quote, method of producing a food product <laughs> that read in part, having the enclosing casing of baked batter of such a character that the same will not be injuriously affected by the grease from the cooked <laughs> sausage. <laughs> I love patent language. I honestly yeah. do. Oh, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, pretty close, but still a baked product without a stick. So not quite. Yeah, yeah. Which brings us to another contender. Okay. Stanley S. Jenkins out of Buffalo, New York. In 1929, he successfully acquired a patent for an American staple, fried food on a stick. In the patent, he wrote, I have discovered that articles of food such for instance, as wieners, boiled ham, hard-boiled eggs, cheese, sliced peaches, pineapples, banana and like fruit, and cherries, dates, figs, strawberries, etc., when impaled on sticks and dipped in a batter, which includes in its ingredients a self-rising flour, and then deep-fried in a vegetable oil at a temperature of around 390 degrees Fahrenheit, the resultant food product on a stick for a handle is a clean, wholesome, and tasty refreshment. <laughs> there are so many food items on there that I'm like, Ooh, okay. Right? I'm like, I have never had a deep-fried fig on a stick, and now I'm mad about it. (laughs) Hard-boiled eggs, pineapple. Just American ingenuity. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so stories do abound about who came up with the corn dog, which is... It's lovely that so many people are like, yeah. it's me. <laughs> no, I and I and I appreciate I appreciate anything that was just clearly like a like a zeitgeist kind of right. situation where like America just as a whole came together sometime in what is that, like the late twenties to the early forties and was like, let us coat this hot dog <laughs> in vaguely cornmealy batter and let's deep fry it. What could but go wrong? <laughs> It will be perfect. You know what we should come back and do? Because we've touched on this in several episodes, but we've never really delved into it. But, like, state fair, the foods that arose from that kind of thing. Because it sounds like this was a very state fair food. And we talked about candy corn, which is also kind of that way. Yes. Yes. All right. Future episode. Um, Yeah. The Korean hot dog slash corn dog, because it is kind of confusing the terminology that's used, but Mm -hmm. I think in our American parlance, we would call it a corn dog, um, first started appearing as a popular street food in the 1980s. Yeah, um, and the version that's battered, uh, that that includes chunks of French fries in the batter, dates from the 90s. So this is not a new thing. Uh, During particularly the economic downturn of the mid to late 20-teens, a lot of uh, startups of these Korean hot dogs, corn dogs, um, and and a bunch of sales were just skyrocketing. Yes, and as Korean culture and cuisine has become more popular in the United States, some Korean restaurants and chains have introduced this product to the U.S. um, at large. Uh, There's been a lot of recent write-ups and reviews of restaurants offering them. I saw a bunch when I did a quick search. Oh, yeah. like really recent. Oh, have you tried this place in L.A. or New York or D.C.? Um, so people, people into them. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, I mean, it's one of those like very Instagrammable kind right. of, kind of foods. So definitely, um, uh, in, uh, in 2019, this piece published on Eater and, and forgive me, I didn't, I didn't uh, take note of the author's name, but it was arguing that the consumption of corn dogs at state fairs has become political specifically for for candidates who are running for office for for specifically for president um because the eating of corn dogs is seen as like as like humble and joyful and relatable um so uh so that year 2019 at the Iowa State Fair like most of the democratic nominee hopefuls either ate one or were photographed holding one mhm mhm apparently Hillary did not eat hers but was seen carrying the uneaten (laughs) corn dog back into her van. Mm. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, back back in back in 2003, they point out um, when John Kerry was was running, um, he 
He was at the Iowa State Fair, and he was photographed ordering a strawberry smoothie. And upon upon getting wind of this, one of his campaign operatives by the name of Robert Gibbs reportedly called a staff member on site and said, somebody get a fucking corn dog in his hand now. <laughs> oh, God. This was after Carrie had already, like, ordered Swiss cheese on a Philly instead of Cheese Whiz. So, like, oh, there was no. already <laughs> there was already some, like, ooh, what a food snob, like. And so right. he ordered the smoothie. And, yeah, Gibbs mm-hmm. was like, no. No, sir. <laughs> uh, Carrie did shape up and, and have a corn dog at the Minnesota State Fair the following year. So <laughs> Probably didn't want to cause another Robert Gibbs <laughs> breakdown on <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh. I would never make it as a politician. Oh, no. It's way too stressful. Very stressful. I can't just drink my smoothie. Okay. Um, oh, speaking of stress, uh, recently there have been arguments about whether a corn dog is a popsicle or a sandwich. Because, of course, of course there have. I, I, I think it's a lollipop sandwich. Ooh. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, a popsicle is cold. Hmm. Gotta okay. This is this is, I believe, actually. I, I was I was reading about this. Uh, there was an article in Mel magazine that came out, and our buddy Julia Skinner was oh. cited as being. <laughs> I know, right? As being like, well, it's not cold, so it's clearly not a popsicle. Um, she was talking about corn dogs. Yeah, during this whole wow. corn dog sandwich versus popsicle debate. Oh well. I'm going to have to reach out to her and get her expert opinion. Yeah, Mel Magazine was like noted food historian Julia Skinner said this thing on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, she did. Oh, jeez. She's awesome. She is. Um, Okay. Also recently, (laughs) Disneyland caused a food stir when it introduced the pickle dog. Um, (laughs) A hot dog Mm. on a stick encased mm-hmm. by a hollowed-out pickle, coated in a cornmeal batter, and crusted with panko, deep-fried, and served with a peanut butter dip. People are deeply divided over it. Um, they are. Oh, my goodness, they are. Corn dogs in general are a very popular item at Disneyland. And I read reviews of people who tried it, and it seemed to be... The ones I read seemed to be generally positive. They thought the panko was a little bit over... Overboard. People were mixed okay. on peanut butter. Some people loved it. Some people really didn't like it. But some people really digged it. Um, Knott's Berry Farm, also in California, near near Disneyland, offered something similar in 2020 called the Dilly Dilly Dog. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see it being good. I mean, uh, you know, like like a chopped pickle relish is a good hot dog topping. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I feel like at the point that you're adding extra salt, like you're not really hurting anything <laughs> i honestly the pickle sounds nice yeah it's like the other stuff i'm a little hmm but yeah, the, the pickle part sounds good to me yeah i'm like is the panko gonna like cut up the inside of my mouth is the because peanut butter and pickles is pretty good in a weird way yeah but, but with the hot dog it. huh mm-hmm. yeah huh, i say huh maybe one day we'll get to <laughs> Our food stuff, our savor reviews. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh goodness, yes, yes. Um, and uh, this is this is not technically a news item, but but just this year, uh, the Onion, which is still satire, um, published a piece celebrating new research that that reveals that modern corn dogs are the descendants of ancient aquatic sausages, a uh, taxonomical name, uh, Batellus bratwurstis. Um, there's a quote uh, from one of the lead researchers on this paper that this article mm, was talking mm-hmm. about. Um, she's quoted as saying, uh, living in such a competitive environment likely drove the ancient sausage to adapt to land where resources like ketchups and mustards were far more abundant. Uh, though the modern corn dog has since shed its casing and developed a thick deep fried coat of batter, it still contains approximately 60% ground pork. <laughs> I love stuff like this. I love the kind of scientific speculation and language around something that is quite silly. Yeah. Uh, honestly. <laughs> it, it, it lends itself very well to parody. Um. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. And we have gone on quite a journey <laughs> on, in this corn dog episode. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
I really want to hear from international listeners. Oh, I want to yeah. know if this is a thing anywhere else. I mean, obviously Korea, but like, you got to let us know. Yeah. Like, have you, have, is this the first time you've heard of this? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you like, does that sound disgusting? Like, I mean, like, like, let me, yeah. Tell, tell us. Tell us, please. And speaking of, we do have some listener mail for you. We do. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... Meryl. Deep frying hot <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, is this an exploding zombie? Like, what's happening? Also, because <laughs> I have been playing a lot of The Last of Us, as Lauren knows, because I had a mini freak out earlier because she made a sound that reminded me of characters. Yeah. Sorry. <sighs> I, I'll try not to. Never again. <laughs> Never again, Lauren. <laughs> My heart. My heart, get, which is something I usually shout when I play those games. My heart. <laughs> oh, they're very sad. Um, but this is something very happy. Uh, Hannah wrote, Back at the beginning of the pandemic, my friend Aaron and I started listening through all of the Redwall audiobooks by Brian Jacques or Jake. Uh, we tried to look it up and we got multiple different pronunciations. So, Hannah, you probably know. Uh, you can you can write in and, hmm. and let us know. Um, but continued. They are charming and uplifting in a time of crisis, and the audiobooks especially are utterly delightful. They are narrated by the author in a strong Scouse accent, with the characters voiced by a small recurring cast of voice actors, including his son. Oh. The songs, of which there are many, are actually set to music and sung by the cast, with instrumental accompaniment unlike the sad, spoken renditions you often get in audiobooks. <laughs> so much for why the audiobooks are delightful. You are a food show. And the important thing that anyone who has ever read a Redwall book knows is they are the ultimate food porn. I believe Brian Jack said that when he was going through World War II rashing as a child, reading his grandmother's Victorian-era cookbooks kept him going. I can't find the actual quote right now, so I guess don't take my word for that. Um, And that love of food carries through into the books, which always include at least one massive yet homey feast served up at Redwall Abbey. 
Jacques started working on the books while working at a school for blind children, and descriptions in the book are always vivid and grounded deeply in all the senses to help bring those children into the story. The food of Redwall, all produced in the Abbey grounds or foraged from Mossflower Wood, would be a delightful topic for a fictional foods episode. By the time Aaron and I reached the end of the series, it was 2021, and we were able to get together and cook a giant Redwall feast of our own to celebrate... Uh, Midsummer, we served several English cheeses, oat cakes with honey, cheese and celery scones, carrot and mushroom turnovers, summer salad, shrimp and hot root soup, beloved of otters at Redwall, the mole specialty, deeper and ever turnip and tater and beetroot pie, <laughs> the Divins's Redwall Youngsters, favorite candied chestnuts, strawberry cake with clotted cream, and washed it all down with mint tea and strawberry fizz. It was one of the happiest meals I've ever enjoyed. Needless to say, if you need a consultant on that fictional foods episode, I'm slightly obsessed. If you ever need to be reminded that good can triumph over evil, you can't go wrong with a Redwall book. Oh, that's so beautiful and lovely. Oh, and Hannah sent pictures, and it all looks amazing. And I loved these books as a kid. Um, Oh, yeah? Oh, I've never read any of them. Oh, yeah, I loved them. Uh, For some reason, the one that stands out is there's one with, like, a mouse on top of a motorcycle and a leather jacket. <laughs> and as a kid, okay. I was like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I need to read this book. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that just sounds so lovely. It sounds so kind of like what we were talking about. I know in, in several past fictional foods episodes, we talked about that of kind of this like hominess, like Narnia is coming to mind of what you can find in yeah. forage and having that really it being such a comforting meal. And I can see how during the pandemic, like listening to that and then making that so comforting and just lovely. It is. Oh, and that sounds, that sounds really nice. Um, it does. I, I want one of each of all of those things mm-hmm. immediately. <laughs> um, goodness. Uh, Ashley wrote, um, I loved your recent tater tot episode. It was a lot of fun to listen to. Every morning I do a drive through coffee run with my dogs and they get puppuccinos, sometimes called pup cups, and more often than not, because of how much the baristas love my dogs, they garnish the puppuccinos with tater tots, bacon, and a dog treat. Today, uh, August 16th, is my dog Hank's got you anniversary and was incredibly happy to get a puppuccino with the works. <laughs> I mean, I would be too. Heck, bacon oh, and tater tots, <laughs> right? And on on top of a cup of whipped cream, I would eat that. Oh, honestly, I would too, and I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to consider some things. <laughs> yeah, it's adventurous. You're having fun. You're living living life to the fullest. You're right. I do have whipped cream now, as I said earlier. Mm, so right. maybe. My birthday's coming up. <laughs> Perhaps it's time for me to be adventurous, to follow in Hank's footsteps. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, thanks to both of those listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard, with special thanks this week to J.J. Posway. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.